listening to Carnivore Conversations, a podcast exploring the benefits of keto, carnivore, intermittent feasting, and other lifestyle hacks. Each week, we'll be interviewing a special guest from the keto carnivore community and so much more. This is your host, board-certified and practicing physician, Dr. Robert Kiltz. Hello and welcome. This is Dr. Rob Kiltz on uh, Carnivore Conversations. I want to welcome everyone. And today, uh, it's Edie Fox, uh, Black Carnivore. And we're really excited to have her here today and sharing all about uh, keto, carnivore, and so much more. And Edie Fox turned her life around with a ketogenic carnivore diet. Decades of compulsive consumption of refined carbs, junk food led to obesity, joint pain, rising blood pressure, and blood sugar, plus out-of-control asthma, allergies, and eczema. Now at age 50, she has reversed all those conditions, has tons of energy, lost 80 pounds, and most importantly, has a healthy way of eating that is sustainable for a lifetime. Now Edie is on a mission to help others lose weight, end chronic pain and inflammation, reverse disease, and get off medications. Edie runs an online carnivore community, hosts a podcast, a weekly live stream on YouTube, and you can find her on Instagram at Black Carnivore. Edie, welcome and thank you for joining me today. Oh, Hi, bye. how are you? Ooh, I am fantastic. Is... How are you doing? I'm good. I'm good. Yeah. It's... So I'm sorry. I hope you don't mind. I'm outside. Um, you know, I'm from New York and not used to having so much access to nature. So now that I'm in North Carolina, I, uh, I love to spend as much time as possible outside. <laughs> well, it, it is really a pleasure to have you on today and sharing your beautiful, amazing energy and sharing about uh, keto, carnivore, health and wellness. And and uh, being outside in nature is really important for us. And, uh, you know, now that we have our houses and our, our, our caves, we spend too much time in them, don't we? Mm, yeah, absolutely. And, uh, you know, we don't even know that there's something wrong with that. So <laughs> yeah, that's, that, that's right. And then, and then if you think about it, our houses are, are surrounded by plastic to sort of mm -hmm. make them hermetically sealed. And then all these wires that go through the houses, which emit energy that, um, then, you know, all these devices we're using just to have this communication have some effects on us. So, uh, Tell us a little bit about yourself and how you got into this crazy carnivore space. Sure. Um, so I got here like most people. I was trying to lose some weight. And um, I was, uh, you know, I sort of reached my all-time high in terms of weight and, um, and the, well, the worst of my uh, health in 2015. And I was looking for a solution and I, um, decided to go on a diet and it, that evolved into, um, trying, uh, to restrict my carbohydrates. And I saw such tremendous success that I continued to go along that route. I, you know, I ended up being, um, following a keto diet. This was even before we used the word keto, but you know, it was a keto diet. Um, and, uh, I did really, really well. And I was so like, surprised and excited by how it affected my body that um, I really wanted to learn more. So I put a lot of time and effort into studying and trying to understand like what is, 
you know, what is going on and why is my body responding so well to carbohydrate restriction? And I think I also ask that question because I come from a family of people who struggle with obesity, um, I think with sugar addiction, you know, between alcoholism, which I think is also part of, on the sugar addiction spectrum, uh, that, you know, my family, we just, you know, we didn't do well with sugar and I didn't know it. Um, but once I went, they started eating this way and discovered this, it was like, wow, this could be the answer for so many of my relatives. Um, who, you know, did not want to listen <laughs> to anything I had to say, as, you know, parents and older generation often don't want to listen to the younger. Uh, but I, you know, decided, well, I got to keep focusing on, um, you know, what's going to help me and share this information with anybody who might be interested and hopefully, you know, will be able to make some kind of impact. And um, so I continued on keto, but I didn't achieve all of the best um health benefits that I heard other people talking about, you know, so I was still struggling with my asthma, allergies and eczema. And, um, you know, sort of at the towards the end of my sort of keto career, I was uh, taking Benadryl around the clock, Claritin around the clock. Um, I was also taking, um, uh, you know, Flonase, which I learned later is a steroid. <laughs> and, uh, you know, had um, Mucinex and Sudafed and all of these various things. And, uh, and then of course, tons of steroid creams and whatnot. And so I decided to try carnivore because I kept hearing people talk about how uh, powerful it was. And, um, and so I did it. And on day two, I felt so much better that I knew this was going to be like my new home base in terms of health or how I was going to eat. And I figured, you know, I would cheat, I would fall off. I'm sure I you know, would eat other things, but this is where I was going to stay put. And um, so, you know, that began sort of my exploration of carnivore. And then while I was exploring carnivore, uh, you know, there were the carnivore veterans who were always saying, you know, you, you can't just assume that something is going to work for you because it worked for somebody else. You have to test, test, test. There's just no way to um, know what your body is going to respond to without actually testing it yourself. And they were always like, you've got to test dairy. Dairy is just not one of these things that, you know, it is an animal product, but it doesn't mean that it's right for you. So I finally decided to cut dairy and give that a try. And I mean, it was like almost instantaneous, the improvement um, that I had. And so, you know, up until that point, my asthma was totally out of control. I had been to urgent care multiple times. Um, they'd given me nebulizers and, and um, oral uh, prednisone as well as, you know, Advair and all of this other stuff. I mean, they kind of threw the whole steroid, you know, package at me. And, um, and so I did this, I, I was still using my um, albuterol, the emergency inhaler, multiple times a week. And uh, then I took out dairy. And it was like for 10 days, I didn't even think about breathing. I didn't take anything. It didn't occur to me to take anything. And then I ate a little cheese. And like within an hour, I was like, where's my asthma inhaler? I'm having trouble breathing. And then I was like, oh, my God, <laughs> for 10 days, I have not had any problems. And then I was like, no, no, I can't be the cheese. It can't be the dairy. And uh, so I decided to really, you know, uh, 
carefully test it and, um, you know, make sure because I did not want to give up cheese for no reason. And I, I did. I tested it four times and each and every time, uh, you know, I needed my asthma inhaler within a few hours. And so wow. it was at that point that it was like, you know, my only job as a human is to keep myself alive. So if I'm doing something that I know can, you know, uh, um, quite uh, quickly kill me, I, I, you know, I need to stop. So at that point, I, I cut out all dairy and I have not had to take Flonase, Benadryl, Claritin, Singular, Advair, any of those things ever again. And, um, you know, and so that was like pretty sp phenomenal for me. Uh, I know I, so a lot of people don't like to hear this news because they, you know, everyone loves dairy, but it, it was um, truly transformative for me. And when you say dairy, was that was that uh, just cheese or yogurt? What what things were you eating in the dairy area? So I, I mean, you know, I was definitely eating like high quality stuff. So I was getting goat cheese, um, you know, sheep sheep's milk, sheep cheese. You know, I was getting um, exported uh, cheeses from. Uh, Italy from France, uh, as well as eating things that were from here. I was eating, you know, uh, dairy made from cows. So I was, I feel like I was eating high quality stuff, but it was, you know, it was in a, a variety of different things. Um, I, so when I cut it out, I cut out everything, including butter. Mm -hmm. I know calm down everybody but um i i didn't know you know i didn't know what kind of effect I w it was going to have so i figured it better to cut out everything and then for i think i went about six months and then i started making ghee uh so ghee um you uh you know toast the milk proteins in the butter and then um you uh, uh filter them out so it is more pure and so i I figured, you know, if I was going to have uh, dairy, you know, potentially I'm allergic to the milk protein. So if I'm pulling that out, you know, maybe it's safer. So I started by having ghee. I, I didn't have it very often. I really just had it for flavoring. Um, and then I eventually started having actual butter. Uh, I didn't have any reaction as far as my allergies and nose goes. But um, so, you know, so I was still very careful. And then over, I probably by two years after I had quit dairy, I started, you know, sort of having butter at will or as much or as little as I like. And not just ghee. That's right. Okay. And how are you doing with that now? So I am not having any breathing problems, but I still, my eczema is not completely under control. So I don't know, you know, I think, I think I'm willing to do an experiment again of going um, completely without butter. It might be that for me specifically, um, you know, I have more gut healing to do. So for me, like butter might not be okay. Um, I, but I do again, always say to like the people that I coach, you have to practice this, you have to test it and only you have to live with the consequences of your decisions. So, um, you know, if you decide, I, I do encourage people to get really strict with carnivore for like a week or two weeks or a month, just see what it feels like to feel phenomenal. And then, you know, start introducing these things back in and then you decide where you want to be. So, you know, if you like feeling a hundred percent, then you need to be really strict. But if you don't mind feeling like 93%, then, you know, maybe you do have the butter and you don't worry about it. So that's kind of where I am. Um, you know, I've decided to, uh, to try and go back into an experiment of 
um, removing the butter. And I've, there are a couple of things. Um, I think that I still have a lot of gut healing to do even after all these years on carnivore. And um, so there's a variety of things that I have been trying to practice and that I'm trying to do for 90 days and, uh, you know, and see what kind of impact that has. So, mm -hmm. so what, what is your, your dietary habits today? Well, so I am in the black carnivore community. What I talk about is, you know, doing strict carnivore, moderate or relaxed and um, strict carnivores where you're just solely eating from the animal kingdom. Moderate is where you might add in herbs and spices, coffee, um, low sugar fruits like avocados and olives. And then relaxed is where you might also have artificial sweeteners. Um, if you go out to dinner, you might, you know, if your meal comes with a side you, uh, of vegetables, you might eat it anyway. Uh, so th that's kind of the way I talk about it. So really carnivore, it, the way I look at it is everything from like super, super strict to, um, pretty clean keto. So, uh, it, and in there you have to choose like your approach based off of what you were trying to accomplish. So obviously if you're trying to do something very significant, like treat cancer, you know, you want to be strict, but if you are more or less healthy then. Um, and you're at your goals, maybe, you know, you can be more relaxed. So I tend to say more towards the strict because I feel better that way. And I really like feeling good. Um, although <laughs> that being said, I'm sitting here with some uh, coffee that I've mixed with butter. So, um, you know, so I am somewhere between moderate and strict. And, um, and I think that uh, right now, what I'm trying to do is uh, try um, incorporating a number of uh, approaches to, um, you know, to support gut health and gut healing. Uh, so one of those is, uh, well, getting enough sleep, uh, which is always a challenge for me uh, to get into bed early enough. And um, I mean, I'm not super uh, knowledgeable about all the sleep things and I'm only, you know, going by my, well, I used to have a Fitbit that did a pretty good job with the sleep, but I, I noticed that I seem to do my most, uh, you know, have the most deep sleep, um, early on in the evening. So if I don't go to bed early enough, I don't get that period of healing mm -hmm. during sleep. Um, so sleep is one, uh, stress management, I think is another, now that I've, um, really started to look in and, and look at the, um, impact of stress, it, I see that it really has a very, very, um, significant, um, physical, uh, impact on, uh, our bodies, especially for those who are struggling with, um, metabolism or, um, uh, insulin resistance and that sort of thing. And so I'm really trying in my, um, online community to get people to be more, um, to more focused on that. And I feel like a lot of times people are like, yeah, yeah, I know my job is really stressful. I need to, you know, change my schedule or, you know, and I'm not getting enough sleep, but I'll get to that. But it's like, actually those two things alone will stop you from losing weight, even when everything else is perfect. So, you know, let's actually focus on that and, and look at that. So, um, those are two things. And then, um, exercise and also incorporating more fasting, which, um, is not something 
you know, I've loved. I definitely recognize the benefits of it. But, uh, you know, as a person who uh, uses food for emotional reasons, it's it's hard to fast, you know, it's um, mm -hmm. because that's your, you know, that's partly your thing. So that's definitely something that I've had to address. So putting those things together uh, has been an interesting experiment for myself. And, um, you know, and I'm, I'm sort of, uh, excited to see, you know, what this um, 90 day period might look like. So I, and, but I'm also thinking that in this, I, I probably do need to take out dairy uh, completely, including butter, um, just to, you know, to see, and then, you know, kind of reevaluate at that point. So let me ask you a little bit about the, the sleep part of it. And, and um, I always look at carnivores and carnivores, they, they feed, they feast and they sleep and rest a lot. And they, you know, sort of if we're really looking at carnivores and the carnivore lifestyle, how do we get to that? And, and um, you know, I don't know that they sleep throughout through the night. They probably hunt during the night, you know, also. And I'm just wondering if our idea of a seven hour or eight hour, whatever that number is. And I think probably, like you said, there's some individuality for each and every one of us. I, what do you think? Because I, I like to incorporate napping. What, what's your thoughts on incorporating napping throughout uh, the day? Um, I don't know. Napping hasn't really worked for me. Uh, you know, one, it takes a little while for me to settle down. And then two, once I fall asleep, it's like I don't want to wake up until I wake up. And then I wake up three hours later. And yeah. then, you know, at 11 o'clock at night, it's like, wow, I'm totally awake. <laughs> so. <laughs> Um, I tend not to do the napping, but you know, sleep is one of those interesting things. Like if you look back historically, we didn't always think that eight hours of sleep a night or sleeping through the night was the appropriate thing. And I find it interesting in some of the um, literature, there was uh, up until like the 1600s, there was in, in Europe anyway, I don't know about in other parts of the world, but um, in Europe, there was talk about um, second sleep. And the idea was that you slept from, you know, whenever sundown was and you finished your chores and stuff until about midnight. And then from midnight to two or 3 a.m., you get up and you do things and then you go back to sleep from three until dawn. And um, and then in that middle of the night, like it was common practice to go visit people, to go hang out, to do prayers. There were like little books of prayers for what you do during that time between first and second sleep. So, so I don't know, you know, I don't know what is appropriate sleep. I think probably sleeping early on in the evening when it first gets dark is probably um, a good thing and probably is something that, um, you know, our bodies were evolved to do. But what that sleep looks like overall, I don't know. You know, I think it was probably the advent of the Industrial Revolution and the ability to have a lot of light after after dark that, you know, kind of pushed people into staying up later and then created this notion that it's better to sleep for one, you know, block of time rather than, you know, have this longer period of time that are that are interrupted with breaks. I imagine on the hunt, we probably hunted for days, if not weeks, and we probably napped a lot. And I my sense is because of our work schedule that we're pushed to work, 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 take a break. And what do you do at break time? It's a snack, lunch, snack, dinner. And so that also contributes to a lot of sort of the, the feeding and the stress. And, and, uh, I mean, I, I do, I do my, like a 10, a 10, two and five sometimes, or a 10 and, mm -hmm. and, and, and 
two o'clock is my most common, I would say, as I said, but it is 10 minutes. I put my little timer on, I do meditation and prayer, and I just kind of go down into that just slightly. We're not meant to go like to, to that REM really sleep, but just our naps are just rest. And carnivores, like they, they can, they nap and they could be up in an instant. That's, you know, the somehow, I think that's the part maybe because, because our work schedules and, and we're, you know, we're doing way too much and slowing down and, and, um, I think it, that's that's really important. It's and and what about so you're talking a little bit about stress and and de-stressing. So what are the main main focuses you you sort of help your community find ways of de-stressing? Well, I mean, I think first off is really letting making sure that people understand the real impact that stress has on our bodies. I mean, I think that people are like, yeah, yeah, of course, you know, stress, but I don't think that they get that like being stressed means that your insulin rises. And so you are that day, you are more insulin resistant, which means that you're going to have, you know, if you are not really um, fat adapted, you might have more cravings and you might find it harder to resist the M&Ms um, or you might be more irritable and not be able to function as well. Or, you know, your brain and your mental focus isn't, uh, you know, on point. And so I, I really want people to understand like and, and make those connections because so often uh, you know a lot of the people that i coach are kind of like oh you know i really screwed up today like i don't know why i can't do this and you know blah 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 and all of this you know what was me i really screwed up and blah 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 and it's like hold on you're actually this is a biological process this is not something you have any control over so let's break down and understand what went wrong and then try to you know put together some strategies so that that doesn't happen in the future and usually what what went wrong is I didn't get enough sleep. And, you know, there's some very challenging thing going on, whether it's a chronic thing, a problem in the family or financial or um, and what I talk about in the black carnivore community is that the experience of racism in this country is itself a stress. And I think that that is the um, that is the missing piece to understanding why uh, metabolic disease is impacting the black community more severely. Um, there are studies that look at, uh, you know, white and black people with diabetes and black people still end up even when they when you control for um, access to insurance, um, education, financial class, whatever. Even when you can control all those things, you still have black people getting amputations more than their white counterparts who have diabetes. So the question is, you know, what's going on? And I think that, you know, it is that piece of the the stress of the race of living in this country uh, and that that we deal with every day that is that is the the connector and there was a study um, that I looked at in 2018 that was looking at the role of everyday uh, racism and and its impact on um, women uh, metabolic uh, sy metabolic syndrome in women and found that um, black women, were middle-aged black women were 33% more, um, had a 33% greater chance of uh, metabolic syndrome, um, uh, you know, based off of the uh, their self-reported experiences of everyday racism. So that was a study that was specifically looking at that question. So 
I, you know, there isn't an answer for some of these stressors. I mean, some things, you know, we create ourselves, you know, we tell ourselves these stories, you know, we see somebody who has a look on their face and, you know, we, we invent this whole story about what they're thinking and, you know, whatever. So that's our own stress that we make up. And, and those are things that we can control and probably, you know, try to step back from doing. But other things like, you know, your ability to get a job, to get, um, you know, to uh, get um, uh, um, advancement in the job, um, how, you know, the the racial discrimination that you experience in try terms of trying to get, you know, a mortgage or, you know, all these other things, those are very real things. They're not necessarily things that we can control. And um, I don't know, I don't necessarily have an answer for that, but I think it's important to start putting in place, um, uh, you know, various modalities to deal with stress, whatever, you know, resonates for us as an individual. And, um, you know, and that's a start, you know, so I have no answers. <laughs> and I'm, you know, I'm trying to figure this stuff out myself. But, um, but I think that we're better suited when we started start doing these other things. So for me, um, you know, being uh, doing more meditation has been, um, you know, I think helpful, you know, that I think that that allows you to observe your mind more and um, be able to kind of at least pick up on some of that repetitive thoughts that can drive us into behavior without, you know, thinking about it first. Um, I've also looked, of course, exercise is, you know, um, one way of dealing with stress. Um, your spiritual practices, whatever those may be, are, you know, another way that can be really helpful. And um, and then I have actually started recently exploring breath work, which um, is fascinating. And um, I, you know, I'm really enjoying it. So I think that's that can be, you know, another modality as well. There was a recent uh, study on um, maternal mortality in the in the black community through the uh, military health services, and it was higher in in blacks and. I, I definitely believe that the lifestyle based on marketing and based on resources and based on past um, discrimination and currently present in the feeling of people's stress and strain on their daily lives. But I also wonder if there's a susceptibility to blacks because of their slightly maybe different susceptibility to carbohydrates. Um, some people are more susceptible to the carbohydrates than others um, for one reason or another. Uh, we know that the American Indians tend to have a higher uh, rate of diabetes and obesity also. And I think the ancestral people that also tend to have where they didn't didn't eat all the plants for the last few thousand years, probably like many of the Europeans did, ate more tra traditional meat-based diets. And that may be a factor in some of us, uh, for sure. But marketing, is there different marketing, do you think? You know, what's the, I mean, there's so much marketing to alcohol and foods. And, you know, we use food as entertainment. What's your thoughts on sort of the, you know, the, the methods of marketing to people in this country? 
I mean, I, you know, I think no one is eating well <laughs> in America. So, you know, we're all sort of dealing in, in the same environment of overly processed foods and, um, you know, food for entertainment and the marketing. Um, but, you know, there's also a long history of, um, of uh, marketing in uh, Black communities and, and also in Indigenous communities. Mm -hmm. um, for example, you know, alcohol um, and having liquor stores was uh, a thing that wasn't really controlled in black communities. And I actually, uh, you know, in my sort of other life, I was um, working in public service and I ran for public office twice myself. So um, I served on my local community board for 10 years. And the community board was a body that, you know, covers, you know, ser several communities and anybody who wanted a liquor license or to open a restaurant or whatever, they have to come to the community board and present their, you know, whatever they want and, and we vote on it. So, um, but in that context, you know, I had a lot of time to, um, you know, interact with people who had been active in their local communities since, you know, the 70s and 80s. And, um, you know, we had all sort of lived through the crack epidemic in New York. Um, but, you know, and also the previous time and how things were before that happened. Um, and, uh, you know, and and when you know, for a long time, black communities were starved of local resources from local governments. You know, people, the governments just did not put the money into those communities. And of course, redlining was a real, uh, it is, you know, we are still dealing with the, um, you know, with the fallout of redlining. So, you know, we have communities that have been starved of resources for a long time. There have been um, all kinds of, um, uh, the, the things that uh, other neighborhoods didn't want in their neighborhoods, that went in black communities. So that meant any kind of industrial stuff, garbage deal, dealing with garbage things, um, you know, drug rehab centers, homeless shelters, anything that, you know, other wealthier communities didn't want. And so, um, you know, that has always been, uh, you know, a, a, an extra burden in, um, you know, in the black community in, uh, you know, as, uh, um, I mean, not only the marketing, but the the choices that are made by local government. But all that being said, like I think that I I don't know, you know, I I'm not a doctor and I'm not a scientist, and I don't, um, you know, I don't know the physiology of it. But my sense is that you know we're not we don't have a greater susceptibility. We have a greater insulin level because of the stress that we're dealing with on a day-to-day -day basis. And, um, and I think that we really need to start looking at, um, at racism as a, as a public health problem. It, it is a piece of this thing that is driving uh, metabolic dysfunction in, um, in populations all over the United States, not only in the black population, but, you know, I mean, anybody who's dealing with discrimination is going to be dealing with, um, you know, with these challenges. So I don't think it, it benefits, it helps, or it moves this, um, or it helps to resolve the situation to be looking for, you know, some unique thing in black people or indigenous people or whoever, um, when it is, you know, when it is this experience itself, that is the driver. Well, well, you know, it's an interesting, again, it's, it's, um, if our traditional nutrition was fatty meat and, 
and maybe, and that's why some people tend to be more allergic reaction to certain things, cheeses and meats, milk and things like that. And other people, lactose intolerance as a genetic. So some people have the lactose and they don't have the genetic predisposition to tolerate lactose as well. And insulin, my theory is, is that there's a value and benefit to insulin. So the benefit to insulin is it converts sugars to fat fast. And so in an environment where there wasn't a lot of food, then you, when you found that small amounts of sugar, fruit, you'd eat it, it'd be converted to fat fast. And so you could survive sort of some, some longer in the famine times, uh, which are kind of, again, just there's so many people in so many areas of the world that can't tolerate milk products, which I think is a big, big problem. I know I tolerate cream and butter reasonably well, but I get a little bit of something. I tolerate it really well, but if I have too much, it, 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 it hurts a lot. Uh, when did you sort of, what, what do you think? Again, you have a lot of people you probably deal with their, their natural diets for all of us of Italian Mediterranean whatever the, our cultures are really the driving forces in so many ways because food is part of our culture, right? Mm -hmm. And so what's our natural food? It's, it's really the, the, the fruits and vegetables and, and the beans and the rice and the pasta and the breads and things like that. How do you help people sort of move away from that? I mean, I, I, um, also, before my public service, I was um, getting a PhD in anthropology, and I uh, love to learn about how people survived, um, you know, through time and also, you know, in different parts of the world. And one thing that I learned during that time was to, it is really important to um, not try to overlay my own beliefs and outlook on the world on other cultures or other people and other points in time. And I, you know, I think it's interesting in the carnivore space and, and in this health space, we often talk about like what, you know, we evolved as and what our experience was like. And I think that sometimes we draw these, um, these uh, perspectives that maybe aren't really accurate. Um, so I, I think that, uh, you know, now when we think about hunter-gatherer societies, we're only looking at people who have been, by for political reasons, pushed to marginal locations where you know they are not very fertile, and you know there's not a lot of food there. Um, but if you're looking at humans before you know we had uh, civilization and created empires, before we moved into agriculture. Mm -hmm. I think that we were probably, you know, I mean, of course, the famines happen and whatnot, but, uh, you know, or, or there are dry seasons and there isn't rain in some years. But I don't know that it necessarily was as um, difficult an environment to survive in. So I, I, you know, so I wonder about those things. And I feel like there's a lot of variety in what we can eat and be reasonably healthy. But one thing that humans also always had, and even before we were modern homo sapiens, Neanderthals and other modern, I mean, other um, uh, homo species had um, culture. And so there were, um, you know, that that culture is also what helps to support us and, mm -hmm. and to helps us to deal with, you know, the challenges in life. And I think in now, especially as I start talking more about, you know, the the impact of stress, 
Um, it is our culture, it is our families, and it is our communities that provide a lot of that support that helps us to deal with that stress. So I um, so I, I feel like we we shouldn't discount that. You know, there's a lot of different ways that we can eat. I don't know that there is one perfect way that we can necessarily say. I mean, I, I, I think the only thing we can say is that there isn't evidence that there uh, was ever a society um, that was exclusively vegan. Um, you know, that uh, in, in most cases, you, you know, you, you have societies where people ate some level of meat, you know, whether it was a lot or a little, you know, that can vary. Um, and, and they achieved, you know, some health, they seem to have some health, you know, so, um, so yeah, I don't know what that answer is. But I think um, on an individual level, you kind of have to look at what where you are right now. So um, if I had grown up as a carnivore and was, you know, really healthy and wasn't coming from a place of illness trying to move toward health, I don't know, I might have more flexibility. At this point, I don't know that I would say, um, you know, that I, that it is a goal of mine to be metabolically flexible and to be able to go back and forth between eating um, fruits and honey and, um, you know, and, and eating meat. I don't know that I think, I don't know. I think that the damage probably that I've experienced over the years has been enough that um, maybe I don't have that level of flexibility or maybe it's going to take, you know, 15 years of eating this way and not five. You know, I don't know. So I but I know that, um, you know, trying to incorporate, you know, more sweets and sugar for me is not going to work. That's just going to open the door to a whole um, mess. <laughs> so it's not what for about, me. What about vegetables? So I'm talking mostly about because our culture is mostly about vegetables. It's about mm-hmm. fruit and vegetables. Let's just nix out sort of the de- the, the the desserts, right? Because our culture <laughs> is really about That's the only meat. thing people are fighting for. People do not fight me over Brussels sprouts. <laughs> they don't fight me over string beans, but well, they're well, like, well, but honey and fruit. Well, honey yeah. and fruit is deadly, but, but I would yeah. say, so my theory is, is, um, we burn fat and fat is the only fuel. There's no, there's no f- metabolic flexibility. We use these words and it's a resistance, but it's just more, it's just the words. And, and ultimately we are carnivores and, and a, and a, and the mitochondria of our cells must have acetyl-CoA from fatty acids. And so you must have a way to convert sugars and amino acids to fat or you die. That's why liver failure patients die. And that's where type one diabetics die. But type 2 diabetes is strictly a disease, almost every disease, of a plant-based diet. You know, that's why the simplicity of carnivore is the majority of plants are just toxic. It's just they're toxic, right? And we don't require sugar, but sugar over the long term is toxic because it causes glycation. Glycation is the rust of our cells. Then our liver doesn't work. Our pancreatic cells are, are dying, and so we can't make insulin. And so, because the majority of people are insulin, that their their excess insulin is related to their excess carbohydrates. And so, how do we get people sort of to? Because I'm sure. I mean, you talk to so many people in in your community, and and is it an? I'm going to use the word easy sell, but but a lot of it is people come to you. They come to me. They're coming to us because they want to learn this new thing. And they've already maybe had a little bit of a flavor. They just want to know how to do it. But but getting people to understand the why part of it, do you think it matters that much? 
I mean, I think it can be really helpful to understand um, what's going on so that you're not jumping to wrong conclusions. Uh, so I do try to explain a lot of, well, some of the why so that people mm -hmm. kind of understand, uh, you know, again, the, the, you know, the biggest challenge that I see is that people are kind of like, you know, oh, this week was tough. I, you know, was on and off and I, you know, I did it for a couple of days and blah, blah, blah. And, you know, and when I try to dig in and get them to look at like, why was it on and off? What was going on? Um, I realized that they don't really understand. You know, I, I think one of the biggest things is like, you know, there's uh, switching into ketosis is a very big deal. You know, it's a whole metabolic process. And so, you know, I think when you're coming from the world of cutting calories to lose weight, people kind of think like you have a good day, you have a bad day. You know, one day you keep your calories low. Great. The next day, you know, you you have too many, but, you know, you'll make up for it the next day ketosis doesn't work like that you know like it takes you days to go back and forth to make that switch and so even people who are having a cheat once a week might be only finding themselves in fat burning mode three out of seven days and so you are then wasting four days kind of you know, trying to get back into ketosis, fighting cravings and all of that kind of stuff. And so I think until people understand that part, like they can end up battling their biology. And, you know, what I always try to tell people is you're never going to win against your biology. So you got to understand it and work with it, not against it, because you're right, that's right, always right. going to lose. Yeah. So once they kind of get that and get that they can't just cheat and then come back to it the next day and and understand where these cravings come from. And a lot of times I think people internalize and um, have, you know, there's this whole moral story that's getting put on top of cravings that, you know, I'm kind of like, you, you know, you, you maybe you emotionally and you do all of these other things, too. But underneath you are having these cravings because you're hungry and you need fuel or, you know, or you haven't gotten good at burning, you know, fat. And so your body is sending you cravings because it needs energy and you just got to push through, get to the point where, you know, you're getting better at that. But that, that state of experiencing those cravings in the first couple of days is not, that is not how you're going to feel forever. But I think if you're new to this, people do think that's how they're going to feel forever. And so it, it is kind of helping people understand that part um, that, you know, there is this <laughs> promised land of like amazing feeling, but it takes a little while to get there. And, you know, you have to have some level of consistent effort to get there. And a coach to do that. Well, <laughs> yes. right. That, Absolutely. I mean, that, that really is because we all need a coach and a cheerleader. And mm -hmm. uh, how do you work with sort of okay? All right, what do I go to buy? What do, what what what? I need some help here. I'm like, you know, I eat uh, pizza, pasta, bread. I got my you know my frozen meals that are all basically pasta based or you know plant based, and that's about it. Um, I, I need some help. Yeah. Well, you know, I mean, I think that uh, I uh, one of the reasons why people come to carnivore from keto is that uh, they are really tired of counting macros, counting portion size, counting calories, um, counting anything. And so they come to me and they're like, I don't want to count anything. I don't want to weigh and measure anything. I want this to be super simple. 
So, um, you know, and I think that's awesome. And I, that's something that I appreciate too about carnivore. Uh, but that is, I think, you know, the people in this space often are, you know, sort of exhausted from their keto efforts. Plus they have not been, um, you know, they don't really understand how harmful some of these keto snacks can be. So they're like, you know, I'm doing keto and I'm like gaining weight and I'm not in ketosis. And, you know, I'm only, you know, having um, keto products. So I don't understand the problem. So coming to carnivore really simplifies things by cutting out all that kind of stuff. And it really allows you to, you know, get um, to have some deep healing, to get back into ketosis and, um, and also have a break from like just all of this, you know, food focus. And so I tell people, you know, just um, get yourself some of the time saving implements that make it really easy to cook meat. So a pressure cooker and an air fryer. Those are my two favorites. Mm -hmm. And um, I, my favorite meal is Chuck, Chuck, uh, well, I make Chuck chunks. Um, so Chuck toast uh, that you buy at the grocery store. I cut it into cubes about the size of a die, like from a game. And uh, I cook that in the air fryer for um, six to eight minutes. And it comes out crispy and delicious and it's super fast. And I love it. And I love Chuck because it has, um, it's got a lot of fat in it. So you're going to get that fatty meat. Um, it's the second cheapest beef. Um, it's, a, you know, from uh, ground beef. Ground beef is the cheapest which is usually made from chuck and then um you know when you buy a whole piece of chuck uh you know it's usually the cheapest thing it i think it tastes delicious and it's super simple and then i add in other things as i desire or feel like cooking but you know i can often go like weeks where i'm just eating that and it, you know and that's fine so um i do provide some recipes and things that are easy to cook and also just explaining you know how to cook because I think a lot of people now, I don't know how we've forgotten, but we don't know how to cook meat. Uh, so, you know, people come to this and they're like, they've cooked, you know, chicken breasts and fish, but, you know, they don't know what to do. And when you're on carnivore, you know, you're not eating chicken breasts and fish, you know, not as your main meal. It's, you know, it's beef, it's, it's ruminant animals. And so you have to figure out how to eat that. What's your thoughts of chicken and fish? So I, you know, I like them. They're fine, but um, I, they're not filling enough to be on their own. So I always tell people don't, don't try to just have chicken for dinner. You know, you can have chicken and some, a little piece of steak, but you need to have some kind of ruminant animal um, at, at at least one meal of the day. Um, don't let a day go by without it. And preferably each meal, you should have some beef, you know, um, you can do surf and turf, you can do, you know, wings and burgers, whatever you want to do, but you need to have a little bit of, um, of ruminant animal. Uh, that being said, you know, I always say, oh, you know, I don't like chicken. But then yesterday I was out, you know, at a, a luncheon and they had this really good looking chicken. And I was like, oh, I guess I want some. So I had chicken and it was delicious. So um, I think chicken is fine. It's just not, it's not enough to, um, to hold a person uh, by itself. And uh, uh, skinless and, and which part of the chicken do you do you hold on to any particular recommendations because i know that i i'll always do i'll, I'll love, the skin went somewhere from all those chicken breastless skinless i want all those skin it's all yeah. i want and uh and and uh we make a really great uh, chicken bone broth 
uh, from the mm -hmm. wings and the thighs and just like that's mm -hmm. amazing and you get all the collagen and all the fat and all that other stuff in there in the middle of vitamin so uh, well the skin is amazing i will yeah. not fight you there and i've heard that at like certain asian markets you can buy bags of skin yeah. so yeah um i can i would definitely recommend people try that uh if they if they have access to it uh but any type of chicken that you want you know it, i mean you know, it, i i really tell people like you want to get connected to your body and listen to your body signals so if it tastes good to you it is good if it doesn't taste good or it doesn't seem appealing or you don't want it then don't eat it you know every meal you should be excited and enjoy eating if it's a chore to eat it, it this is not for you don't eat it um and so so that means that sometimes you know chicken breast i'm like oh and then yeah, other times yeah. it's like oh it's it's here it's ready it smells good it's warm sure i'll eat it and, so. and adding adding fat, I know a lot of people add butter, but you know some people obviously I think can't tolerate the butter, but tallow lard or or ghee to that can be helpful. Um, duck, I had some duck yesterday. Oh my god, it was so good. And duck is so much fattier. Yeah, yeah. I well, I've never made duck myself, so I don't I don't no, know I how to do either. that. But um, it was a restaurant. Yeah, <laughs> it was good. It was good. But. I think it's worth, um, you know, definitely trying these different things. So I do encourage people to give it a try. And if you do try it, tag me because on Instagram, I'm at Black Carnivore because I would love to see, you know, what you did. I have learned so much from other people trying to, you know, to to teach myself these things. I mean, I went to my grandmother. Uh, she was, you know, not a cookies type of grandmother, but, you know, a fried chicken and, you know, Southern soul food type of grandmother. So I would always ask her how to cook my meats. And, um, but, you know, I, it's always important to, to get more information and to, you know, see what other people are doing. So um, I do encourage people to experiment. So you've been doing your social media impact uh, sharing for how many years now? Uh, well, I guess I started in 2018 with mm -hmm. Instagram and then um, later on with YouTube. So I, uh, you know, I got a lot of questions from people about what I was doing, but um, I wasn't... Uh, too confident about coming, you know, coming out and telling people I was carnivore, uh, you know, because even when I started keto back in 2015 uh, or low carb um, or paleo, like people scoffed at that, you know, but then as I got better and lost weight, you know, those same people were kind of like, huh, you know, what, what are you doing? And uh, yeah, because I let's see, I started probably about 15 20 years ago in the sort of the Atkinsy and then the paleo-y and then the keto-y and mm -hmm. then almost 12 years ago I went carnivore but I wasn't really sharing it with anyone because I was telling everyone about keto because you know that's for everyone could do keto even vegans could do keto technically and and so that seems so easy and uh, so tell us how it's been in the social media arena and sharing all this. Mm -hmm. Well, and I, just to do a comment on that, I would say that I am keto and I still consider myself to be keto. And I want people to know that a carnivore diet, you know, being it in ketosis is, is yes. part of it. I mean, and it's part of it. It's an important part of the healing. But that secondary part of the healing for me is removing things that I'm um, allergic to or sensitive to. So uh, th that's what I see, at, you know, for me. Um, but uh to your other question about uh, the social media, 
Um, I mean, I, I certainly enjoy making video. I enjoy talking to people and sharing with people and really helping people to move forward um, with their health goals, whatever those things may be. So, um, yeah, so I've been, so I'm happy to have my channel, but I definitely see how um, it can be difficult for some folks to kind of figure out how to you know, how to go forward. And I think I have a lot of people who are like, well, this person says this, and this person says this, and this person says this. And a lot of times those things are conflicting, or they're trying to synthesize everything that everybody is saying into one grand theory. And, you know, some things are, you can't synthesize, some things don't relate, you know, to everybody. Um, and uh, so that's a challenge that I see a lot of folks have. And so to that, I say, you know, look for the person who has the thing that you want, you know? So if you are like a super athletic a very big into, you know, to weightlifting and all of that, then maybe you do want to hang out in, you know, those channels where people are like that. But if you are not active, like the the things that they need to do to make carnivore work for them in the context of, you know, whatever their exercise regimen is may not be the same thing if you are 100 pounds overweight um, on a lot of diabetes medication and, you know, are, um, you know, a perimenopausal woman. So you really have to, like, just think about your context and make sure that you're choosing a path that is working and supporting your specific issues. And, um, and you know, and that to that end, I think it's really helpful that there are a lot of different influencers with different um, experiences and different um, backgrounds to kind of speak to all these different um, approaches. And, uh, you know, so I, I hope that I can create an environment that supports the people who are just, um, you know, maybe at the beginning of their health journey, they, you know, don't feel well, they're exhausted, they're in a lot, you know, got a lot of uh, chronic pain and inflammation, and, um, and have a lot of weight to lose and, and, and disease to reverse. And so, um, you know, they're at the beginning of what could be a very, you know, very long journey. And those are the people that I, really tried to help and to support and to get them started and to get them, you know, going forward. And then, you know, who knows, maybe some of them become, you know, super athletic and go on to some of these other channels where people are, I don't know, powerlifting or whatever they're doing. So <laughs> well, that's the beauty. We're all, we're all different yet. We're all physiologically and basically cellularly the same. We have eukaryotic cells, right? We have nuclei, mitochondria and all these other things and our, you know, we have hearts and lungs and, and kidneys and things. And so there's a similarity to us, but there's some unique differences to our experiences. Mm -hmm. What's been the biggest challenge through this, this keto carnivore social media arena for you? Um, I don't know. I guess, uh, I feel like figuring out how to talk about what can be kind of complicated concepts to people who are not super interested in science. Um, I, I mean, I was always interested in like how the human body works and in human evolution. So I was really kind of captivated by, you know, all of this. 
but um and and then i try to take what is important to know in terms of of applying to you on a daily basis um and share that in a way that is really accessible but that's you know that's hard to do and um you know and and i think uh this is why i've actually focused on um making my youtube channel and my podcast a place that people give their testimony about the benefits of this way of eating so that people who are not interested in like reading about the studies and understanding about why um you know this might work can listen to people who are actually doing this actually having success and be inspired by you know that to be willing to give it a try and see how they feel so um you know so that is why i've tried to make my uh social media really more about people's lived experience and sharing um their stories and and as i said before you know it is um you know there's our our bodies being healthy but there's also us being socially healthy you know having a good support and community and both of those things i think are equally important in order for you to move forward in your goals and to achieve your goals and we live now in a society that entirely um glorifies sugar um where we're being told i think that we're being told by um you know people in power things that just simply aren't true about the body and about health. And so, you know, at this point, we're all left to, you know, reading magazines, guessing, looking back at the past, asking our friends and family, you know, what to eat. And I, I don't know that I don't feel like people are getting very good advice. And so um, we need once you go to this lifestyle, you're going to have so many people in your ear saying all kinds of stuff um, that is, you know, not not accurate, not true, that you have to have a community of support um, of, of people who understand what you're trying to do, who are trying to do similar things and who can support you and say, um, you know, you're not crazy. You're doing the right thing. Keep going like this is, you know, this is the right way to eat until you feel strong enough to be you know, to be able to stick with this way of eating without, um, you know, without second guessing yourself or feeling embarrassed, you know, like parties and social things and all of that kind of stuff. And that's what we need the communities for. And that's why I, you know, have created a community where, um, you know, I just uh, try to have, um, you know, weekly challenges and weekly things that keep you kind of focused on, you know, keeping it together for a couple of days, you know, don't worry about all the way down a year from now, six months from now, let's just worry about the next couple of days and implementing some healthy, um, healthy activities for those couple of days. So uh, dealing with uh, the going out to parties and things like that, a uh, bit of advice for those in the carnivore, they've already, okay, they, now they got it, they're there. And uh, yeah, how, how do you give your clients advice on that? Well, I usually tell people eat before you go. So, you know, don't show up hungry. Um, that's, you know, going to be the hardest thing. And then, uh, you know, if you can control where you're going, um, you know, anytime people are like, oh, where should we go to dinner? Have a list of, you know, restaurants that work for you and jump up because, you know, the first person to speak, like everyone else then has to say no to that. So, you know, be, be, um, uh, not aggressive, but, uh, um, proactive. Yeah. Be proactive. Like, 
you know, make your choice, tell people what you want. And then also when you're at a restaurant, like you, you know, they want to serve you like what you want. So, Mm -hmm. and make you happy. So you tell them what you want, you know, and if you see like they have something on the menu, but it doesn't, uh, you know, like I went to a Mexican restaurant and they had all these tacos that were made from skirt steak. And I said to the waiter, I don't want the taco, but can you just serve me the skirt steak? Like, give me a whole steak. And, you know, he was kind of like, okay, I don't know. So we went back to talk to the chef and then they were like, okay. And they brought me a pound of skirt steak for $16. And I was like, wow. Okay. <laughs> it was, it worked out well. Yeah. So, so in, in your community is carnivore, uh, again, the people you're communicating with is, is that a like, uh, yeah, no, I just want keto or, or yeah, like, give me, give me the carnivore. Let's go for it. Well, I mean, definitely the people who are coming and listening to me like me, you know, so they're, they're just kind of, uh, I think a lot of them are coming. Like, I didn't know this was a thing. I didn't know this could be healthy. Um, but I've always loved meat. Like I would have loved to eat this way if I had known about it. And so, you know, once they hear about it, they're excited and willing to try. Um, I, I don't generally, you know, get somebody who is, um, uh, you know, happily vegan or vegetarian coming, but there are certainly a lot of uh, ex-vegans whose health failed uh, on uh, eating a vegan diet who then had to come and start eating um, a a carnivore diet and found so much healing and success. So, uh, you know, so I I don't know. I think that... um, you know, obviously the people who are here like generally have a predisposition to liking meat. Um, but I, you know, I think everybody is kind of like still processing mentally this idea that meat is not bad. Um, and it took me, I think many years, even after going carnivore and seeing the benefit to reconcile in my head that meat is not unhealthy. (laughs) But that's what we've been told for like a lifetime. And so it's, it's hard to, it's hard to get out of that. Does red meat cause cancer? I don't think so. Um, I, the, the scientific studies out there, I think have not been well done. Um, And I don't, um, I don't, I don't know. I don't think so. Um, But yeah. And I, oh, I don't know. And I guess I kind of feel like if if you're doing something that is making you feel better in the present, I don't understand how that thing could make you be unhealthier in the future. So if you go keto, your blood pressure comes down, your insulin resistance reverse, reverses, you get off medication, you lose weight, you build muscle, you sleep better, you're less stressed and you're happier. I don't understand how that is a recipe for cancer. So no, no way. Yeah. And I was disappointed that Dr. Gundry is claiming that red meat may be cancer causing where, where, um, fish and chicken aren't, which I think is a, not a true statement and a disservice because I think everyone then chicken, chicken is lean, fish is lean, and there's such thing as protein poisoning and rabbit starvation. And so Mm -hmm. I think one of our biggest problems has been a lack of eating fatty meat because mm-hmm. we've been told not to eat it. And part of that has caused all of our emotional and mental problems, physical problems, mm-hmm. and and our, our acute and chronic problems 
which are just, you know, and now we're making marijuana legal until everyone it's okay and smoking and alcohol. Again, they're all marketed as like the cool and the good thing to do, which is a disservice to our children. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, I mean, I don't think that chicken and fish um, are, hold a candle to red yeah. meat. And if you start eating carnivore and you try to do it with chicken and fish, you're quickly going to see. I mean, like within two days, you're going to see, I don't feel good. You eat a hamburger, you're like, oh, okay, now I feel fine. So it is, you know, it is abundantly clear that these are not equivalents. Um, they're not equivalent, you know, protein sources or meat. That's not to say that you can't have chicken and fish, but that that just can't be the basis of what you're eating. And, you know, when I look at these studies that talk about red meat, you know, they're they're including all kinds of foods in this category of red meat, including pepperoni, which is red because of dye or, you know, um, of peppers and, and other things. So spices which are spices. plant products yeah right right yes 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 yeah so i you know i so i don't know i mean i don't feel like there is um evidence in the context of a low carbohydrate um diet where uh you know you can see that red meat itself is a problem um and i don't know so i i feel like it's uh i see people have so much success and health eating this way that again i have to go back to i don't understand how this thing that leads to so much health benefits in the short or you know in in the moderate term can lead to um you know health decline in the long term but i can see how being obese inactive you know sitting on your couch drinking and you know whatever i, I can see how that leads <laughs> to cancer and ill health in the long term so culturally, we've really developed a society in this country, in this world of sedentary lifestyle so, and, and, and constant consumption of carbs, which is essentially a drug. And then we all get addicted to it. And so it's easy to just want to continue to eat more of it. And all of our, all of our entertainment venues, whether it's sports or other entertainment, it's all full of alcohol and 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 carbohydrates and lean meat if you get any which, yeah. which ultimately so so how do we make the you know maybe part of my question before was in your in the black community which which how do we really make an impact in all communities but you you seem to be focusing on the black community as black carnivore is what can we do to help people really and maybe on the government level, you've been in the government and, and recently, and I'm just adding to this is that my professional organization, their, their dietary recommendations are basically fruit, fiber, vegetables, seeds, nuts, lean meats. And that was only a quarter of the pie. The, everything else was all plant-based, mm -hmm. but there was no red meat and no fat. And then they had right. plant oils. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's what we're, our, our experts are telling us in this, in this world. And, and we generally, like to believe the experts and mm -hmm. and otherwise it's disrespectful and what can we do and, and maybe this is part about we all need to be advocates for ourselves and our communities 
Well, I mean, I've given up on um, the information coming from the top down. It's just, I don't think that's going to come that way. I think that this is going to be a, you know, a keto revolution and mm -hmm. um, that, it, you know, and it's a grassroots effort where, you know, we're going to get to the point where there's so many people that are eating this way that it just, you know, it, it, it financially makes sense for companies to you know focus on keto stuff rather than vegan stuff like i think that that that's ultimately what's going to happen and it's going to happen because people are so tired of feeling bad and they're looking for something else that makes them feel better and um and i think that you know there's uh, been a, a you know an effort to to present veganism and and raw veganism as a um as a healing um uh, tool in the black community. And a lot of people are picking it up. And in fact, a study showed that, um, that veganism was rising in the black community at a much faster pace than it was in the white community even. So I think that what we need is to have, um, you know, another person who is speaking to and advocating for meat in, um, you know, in the black community. I mean, I think that people, you know, a lot of people are, go vegan just because, you know, they go to the doctor, the doctor's like, oh, your blood pressure's high. You got this going on, that going on. You need to lose some weight. And the person's like, okay, yeah, how do I do that? And the doctor's like, I don't know. Uh, have you tried Weight Watchers? Maybe don't eat so much meat. I, you know, I don't know. And so, you know, they see Tabitha Brown or, you know, a magazine article about somebody who lost weight on vegan. And so they're like, okay, I'm going to do that. But I think that, you know, they're doing that just um, partly because there isn't another option being presented that is is out there. And so I'm just trying to say to people, you know, I'm not here to fight with vegans. Like if someone wants to eat that way and they're doing well and they're happy with it, then, you know, fine, eat, eat that way. Um, but for the person who is not doing well, that it is not helping them move towards their goal and they're having a really hard time with it, I want that person to know there is another option. Option. There is another way to deal with blood pressure. You do not have to be on medication for decades. You don't have to accept that diabetes is your um, your health fate, that you are going to have amputations and go blind and have sure. the painful, slow decline that comes with diabetes. That these are not, you know, this is not um, our birthright. This is not something that is um, part of being black. This is this is literally, um, you know, the overconsumption of sugar and that there is a way to reverse that to, um, to, uh, you know, do some level of carbohydrate restriction will, will lead to a much better outcome. And so, uh, you know, I, I, that is why I decided to focus on, uh, you know, um, doing social media and speaking about this because I, I feel like we need to have people who are able to speak to this and who are able to speak freely. You know, a lot of people have asked me, why didn't, you know, why not go back and get your PhD in public health or, you know, something like that? Like you love to, you know, study and you have a scientific background. Um, and, uh, and I didn't finish my PhD, so I'm ABD in anthropology. But um, I'm kind of like, I didn't want to do that because I felt like, you know, watching like Tim Noakes struggle and, and uh, the, the Dr. Fecky and in Australia, you know, with their licenses, um, when, you know, they're talking about things that go against, um, you know, the, the popular, um, you know, culture, I, I didn't want to have to feel like my livelihood would be, um, could be taken away because I am not speaking the party line. I wanted to be able to speak freely.
yeah. That's important. So, mm-hmm. so, so let's do a um, a year of raw vegan and a a year of raw beef. Interesting. Uh, I- beef you can eat raw, and you yeah. will be badass. But if you eat grass and grains and fruits and vegetables raw of any significance, you will be bad. Bad. I definitely tried. I've tried both. Um, yeah. So, uh, you know, raw vegetables for me just, um, I mean, I did it, but you know, it was not a fun stomach experience. Uh, I have eaten raw, uh, beef and, um, I think that as long as, you know, you're preparing it safely and definitely, for those of you watching who are thinking about it, you know, do a little research to figure out how to, um, you know, properly handle your meat. But I think it is, it's very mild in flavor. It is very tasty. It's, you know, nutritious. You, I think you absorb well. Um, there are some people who have told me I'm not carnivore because I don't eat raw, um, raw meat. So, I don't know. I'm not going to say I, I think that, you know, we have been as humans have been um, eating meat that has been cooked for a very long time. So if it were a problem, it, we, it would have already, you know, worked itself out. We would have, we have not survived. We, we evolved for millions of years of eating our, our animal kills. And most of those were big uh, meat, beef uh, uh, animals and not, we're not chicken hunters. We're not mm-hmm. like duck hunters of any significance. And, and interesting is so put, put meat into dry, uh, red meat to dry and put, put, um, uh, plants to dry. The plants will decompose and they will, because the bacteria and yeast love them where basically meat dries and gets better. So, you know, it's, a, it's just, it really is such an obvious thing, but we've been, we've been marketed to that meat is deadly, but meat is the master meal and fruits and mm-hmm. vegetables are, are deadly. It is such a pleasure to have you on. Is there any last comments or thoughts that you wanted to share with uh, the community? Well, um, so one my actually, I meant to say this earlier. My name is pronounced Ada, like Ada. That's right. That's so, right. Thank you. Ada. So, I, 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 that, Ada. Thank you. God bless you. I do remember that now. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Well, I, so it's an unusual name. People uh, mess it up all the time. So don't worry about that. And, um, and then, you know, two, if you're, if someone is, you know, if you're here and you're watching and you're listening to this and you're trying to think about whether you want to try carnivore, you know, I, I do these five day challenges because, um, I think it's, it's helpful to do even, even five days is enough to actually see some significant change. And, um, and I'm hoping that that, um, you know, that moment will allow you you to decide, you know, this is pretty interesting. I want to explore this further or, ah, this isn't for me. I want to go back to doing, you know, pescatarian or whatever else I want to do. So, um, I encourage you though, to try for five days and, and see what that experience is like. And you can consider coming and checking out my community where I, I'm really, um, trying to get, uh, people to focus on all the different pieces that are necessary in order to build a whole 
healthy lifestyle, which is, you know, sleep and dealing with stress and fasting and exercise and the food. All of those five things, I think, really are the basis of, um, you know, building a life that is more than just surviving. It's actually thriving and allowing you to be, you know, your best self and and do whatever it is you came to this earth to do. So, um, you know, make sure that you are not trying to do this alone. Don't try to, um, you know, to 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 do this on your own. You really need to be in the community and with other people. And I uh, really appreciate your allowing me to come here and talk to, you know, your community and, and for you to come to mine. Um, I think that, uh, you know, it's so important to have these conversations and I thank you so much. We're, we're fueling the mission of our lives with food and it's, it's not meant to be the mission is to eat food as an entertainment. It really is to do the, the creative things like you're doing. Uh, mm -hmm. Ed A. Fox, God bless you, the the Black Carnivore. We really appreciate you being here. So again, uh, you could you could be found both on YouTube and uh, and on your Instagram uh, at and and my website blackcarnivore.com, YouTube Black Carnivore, and Instagram at Black Carnivore. And again, thank you, thank you. God bless, and it's an awesome day. We look forward to talking again soon. Thank you so much. I really Thanks appreciate everyone it. everyone for being here. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of Carnivore Conversations, hosted by me, Dr. Robert Kiltz. And don't forget to review us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you're listening today. Check out drkiltz.com for more and subscribe to our Instagram, YouTube, TikTok, and Facebook for more inspiring content every day. Take care and see you next time.